Hey, fitness junkies. This is George Majorano with American Medical Wellness. We are experienced in male and female hormone optimization, peptide therapy, stem cell therapy, and IV therapy. If you're looking to improve your health and wellness, please give us a call, 702-347-7000, or visit our website, AmericanMedicalWellness.com. Hi, fitness junkies. It's Dr. Leslie again. I'm coming to you from the Sticky Paws studio where I film my podcast. I wanted to bring you an opportunity that is out of this world. I have launched my Living Your Mastery Total Transformation program where I create the life that you've always wanted authentically. Yes, everything that you want and desire you can have and I have the program for you. I've partnered with MD Spa by Trim Care to help facilitate the physical transformation aspect of my program. We offer everything from aesthetics, regenerative medicine, primary care, weight loss, really everything. You name it, we've got it. You can contact them at 702-718-7888 and just let them know that Fitness Junkies sent you. I keep saying I'll start on Monday, and Monday never comes. I go on a holiday soon, and I really want a bigger bum and a smaller waist. Can you help? Look, if you want to come, Jim, come. Make sure you put the work in. Some want to get fit, some want to get slim. Some want to start competing, but enough of them just can't stop cheating. When their belly is full, they're still eating. Me, I practice what I'm teaching. They don't live what they're preaching. It's a lifestyle for me. What's up, FitFam? This is Giovanni of Geo's Logic, your host of Fitness Junkies. I hope this show meets you in good health and fitness, and if not, I hope it inspires you to do something about it. Today, I have a guest that's been on the in the studio a, a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, um, and his wife is amazing, their family is amazing, what they're doing for the Vegas community and everything around the world is amazing, and I'm glad to have you in the studio again. Sami, what's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Yes, yes, yes. So on this show, you've been on a couple shows, but on this show, everyone sitting in that show to share has a fitness journey. Um, so, you know, we can go all the way back to, I don't know if you were born here. Were you born here? No, I actually was born in Finland. So okay. I moved to the U.S. 13 years ago. Yeah, so let's go back to Finland and how you <clears throat> grew up playing sports or if you had a fitness journey. <clears throat> well, how did you get to here? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting story, I guess. So, uh, like I said, originally from Finland, from a small town, literally like a couple thousand people and. uh and uh, I got into sports through um, soccer. Mm -hmm. So I started when I was six years old. Um, and pretty soon I realized that I'm fairly fast. And uh, I think my dad credits that uh, of all my kids, um, all, we all had bikes. So I ended up breaking my bike like once a week. So eventually he just got sick and tired of fixing my bike. So like my friends were riding bikes all the time, I was running. <laughs> so that translated into me starting to run track. So I was a 100-meter sprinter and a long jumper for a long time. And then on my uh, when I was 9 or 10, I got into martial arts, uh, traditional karate, uh, moving to Muay Thai, uh, then grappling, and then MMA. Uh, when I was 19, I went to my military service, and, um, which is mandatory in Finland. Okay. So I thought, you know what, listen, if it's mandatory, I'm going to go all the way. And, and uh, I, I volunteer for two special operations communities. End up getting into another one. And, and I was in military for 11 years total. 
Wow. Uh, six years active. And, uh, and after that, I, I just kind of kept going on um, with martial arts. But when it comes to nutrition and exercise and everything else, is scientific why, uh, I got it when I was 13. And uh, I guess I'm going to date myself when I say, uh, this is the time where the library cards were the big thing. <laughs> so this is 30 years ago. Right, right. So when my, all my friends were um, getting all the comic books and all the easy read books, I was, uh, uh, my, my go-to was nutrition books. So 13 years old when I was actually started reading about how to better myself, <clears throat> how to become faster, how to become stronger using nutrition. And uh, that's when I started going to the gym as well. So I've been going to the gym for now 30 years. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. kind of in a nutshell. Nice. So MMA, did you ever compete or think about UFC or was that too early in your <clears throat> MMA journey? I, I did. I did. I have fights under me. It's all in Europe. And, okay. um, and I was in grappling. I, I won some grappling tournaments. And uh, <clears throat> because my I had a Muay Thai background as well my coach was like hey listen uh there's a there's a big fight coming up uh one of the top two guys in the country is is fighting and uh he doesn't have an opponent anymore so the fight is just under uh three weeks away do you want to take it so i was like okay yeah let's go let's, <laughs> let's try it out and and uh that's kind of that's where i started the guy was like i think 15 and two and um he was one of the top combat karate guys and uh, a big dude, and he was um, a 92 kilo, so right about 200 pounds. Okay. So I was already kind of there, so I'm like, okay, let's 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 give it a shot. So I I did a lot of specific training for the past three weeks, and I end up end up losing uh, a split decision. Oh wow! But after that, I, I end up going to a few fights as well, and then I started getting into coaching and in grappling and MMA as well. Okay, okay. But when I moved to Vegas, that was actually one of the big reasons why I was excited. So I signed up for the Extreme Couture. Okay. And uh, and I've been here or there off training uh, under Robert Drysdale uh, okay. for grappling. So, but uh, as I get older, I feel like I, I need to get back into that again. Oh, not really? Just, not, just, not just weights anymore. Okay, yeah. okay. So I had a... a similar childhood funny i actually started playing soccer very early i loved football mm. um i played football on the streets and then my mom didn't let me play until i got into high school um you know with the helmets and everything so but um i always had a dream of becoming a professional football player but mm. i wasn't big enough or fast enough <laughs> and uh did you have a dream of becoming an mma <clears throat> fighter or what was your your sports dream or did you have one yeah so soccer was the one that <clears throat> i really wanted to get into um all the way till i was 18 years old uh, my goal was to become a, a pro soccer player mm. but then i started packing up fairly good amount of weight at that point so i don't want to say that it made me slower but I guess it opened up my passion to somewhere else. Mm. So, and military just kind of came into a point where I realized that, okay, it's, uh, it's going to give me a little time to think. And then again, at that point, if I would have been, so I, I tried to try out for Finnish national team. Okay. 
and uh, that didn't pan out. So I thought, listen, I kind of missed my window, so I'm gonna go to military. Go, I'm gonna take everything out of that and see where my passion is after that. Mm. So uh, my competitive career kind of in soccer ended there. Mm. But when I got out of military, uh, it was just MMA and, and grappling after that. Do you feel like um, it's a very masculine uh, characteristic to be competitive or is it just individual? <clears throat> I think it's individual. Okay. Um, I think we have just, just for the hormonal, I think guys have a little more tendencies for that competitive side, but mm. like, let's take my wife. My wife is one of the most competitive persons that I know. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, and I also know a lot of competitive women. Mm. So masculinity is, is one trait of being competitive. Uh, we have testosterone also as a guy, it's a little more right. uh, kind of back that up. So I right. think that like ratio wise, I'm, I'm sure that there's more competitive guys as there are women. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, losing is a word that has connotation, mm. but I know you're now in the mental well-being space mm. and I'm sure you believe that you're either winning or you're learning, <clears throat> you're not losing, but dreams do die hard mm. um it sounds like you're the type of person that knows that when a door closes another one opens and that's kind of how it sounds like you went from your soccer dreams to your military dreams and that's taken you to your next phase what happened after uh the military and i think it you brought up a really good point because I think that's uh, the reinventing yourself is, is, is if you want to be successful, that's something that it's a requirement in my opinion, because sometimes things doesn't go as pan, like especially in the sport world, there's injuries and everything else. And, and you have to learn how to adapt mm. and not quitting what you do, but adapt because there's, there's so many different things in, in the fitness world that I've seen that people kind of hold on to that same same goal of 20, 30 years, which is not necessarily a, a, a bad thing, but at some point you have to realize like, hey, now it's time to pivot. <clears throat> so yes, I, as a guy in a competitive, like if you're gonna we'll go a little bit back to that, I think we have a little more ego mm. and, and that plays a role in being competitive. So we're also a little bit, of, I'm not saying that ego is a bad thing, right? but uh, it, it it definitely uh, adds to that competitiveness, but I just feel an urge to be better every single day. Mm. And sometimes I feel like, like you said, one door closes, I need to better myself in the other areas. So after military, um, that was, that was, I gave my everything to it. Then I was recruited by one of the biggest security companies in the world. And um, just as a, as a, security manager and then I worked my way up. I, I went to school, I got my master's in security management and, and I was running, um, uh, I was operations manager for one of the uh, emergency response team in Finland. So about all the high threat locations were for our government buildings, jewelry stores, stuff like that. They were more, had more tendency to get robbed. 
So I ran that unit. So I started bettering myself on a tactical aspect. Mm. I started studying everything that that area of my life entails, and I started getting better at it. I started getting certifications, degrees. Uh, I seek mentorship globally on that area, and that's how I was able to get higher and higher until I realized that corporate world is not for me. Mm. Uh, my, my boss eventually offered me a $40 a month pay increase when I grew that <laughs> unit's production by millions of dollars. Right. So at that point, I realized, like, hey, corporate life is not for me. So that was another pivoting point where I started like, you know what? I'm going to start my own training company. So In Finland? Yeah. Okay. So for civilians, military law enforcement. And, uh, and my business partner kind of stepped away from that before we were able to get that company out of the ground. And that played a major role of me moving to U.S. Uh, I quit my day job, um, well-paying day job, um, like more and so well-paying. Right. Uh, I separated from my from my girlfriend back then, and my business partner said, "Hey, listen, I'm I'm not gonna. I got a I got another offer. I got a good corporate precision, so I'm not gonna start this company with you." So that was the moment where I like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And my mentor lives in um, in Irvine, California. Okay. So at that point, I kind of started playing that idea and like, listen, I don't know where life's gonna take me. So I kind of liquidated everything that I had, my earthly possessions. Uh, I made peace financially, mentally, emotionally, spiritually with everything that I had in Finland. So I know that if something were to happen, if I'm going to stay in the U.S. or take me somewhere else, I have no, uh, no strings that's attaching me to Finland. It's, I don't have any like obligations other than my family still live there. My parents live there. So, but... I transitioned to that. And once I got in the U.S., I was like, okay, fitness is going to be the best tool to break through here. Mm. And and then I started focusing everything on that. And 13 years later, it's we're gone through another, like, two, three different pivoting moments. Right, right. So. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot there to unpack. Um, <laughs> let's start with... English isn't your first language and moving to the States and all the legalities of it. And then how the hell did you get to Vegas? It's a, it's an interesting destination. Yeah. Um, so English is obviously my, my second language, mm -hmm. which is in, in Finland, you start learning your second language when you're 10 years old. Oh, wow. Um, you have a, either a choice, you have Swedish which is Finland is a um, dual language country. Okay. So there's a minority population that speaks mostly Swedish. <clears throat> so uh, I hate speaking Swedish. I, I barely know how to speak that anymore. Okay. But um, so we get, we get educated uh, on school and obviously all the pop culture and everything else. So you kind of pick that up. Right. But Finnish is a language is even if you look at Finnish athletes globally and then you hear the interviews, it's, it's it's a thick, <laughs> thick accent. Right. You have so, a very slight one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I used it for a long time. So moving to U.S. wasn't a really big thing anymore. I lived in other countries and I spent a lot of time in, in Thailand and all over the Europe traveling. So speaking English wasn't a, a really a big thing for me. But um, then obviously staying here, 
um, I, 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 I spent about a month and a half in, in California. And then I have some friends in Vegas in a tactical, tactical training community in the fitness world. So uh, I decided, like, listen, I'm going to come over here and, and just see what the scene is over here. Mm -hmm. And I met now my ex-wife. And um, uh, for a long time, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to stay here or not. In the States or Vegas? In, in Vegas and in U.S. in general. Okay. I didn't want to create any kind of attachments like, no, I have to stay here. Right. Because I thought if I'm going to have that mindset, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make the best decisions for me. If I'm going to make it from that I'm, that I'm making the standpoint like I need to stay here now and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Right. So, but that, uh, that first marriage kind of, I was married for two years and, 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 and after things didn't pan out, I had to decide again, am I going to stay here? But I, I met my now amazing wife, and we've been together close to 10 years now. So Yeah. So did you get your visa through your first wife? Yes. Okay, great. So there's a, there's a time. is So legality-wise, you have to technically be married for two years. Got it. So and eventually came to a point where I realized, like, listen, I'm, I'm, this is like no animosities, no nothing, but this is just not going to pan out. Mm -hmm. And it was right on the borderline where, where it was like, am I going to get my visa or not? But I didn't also want to start playing the game like, no, I'm going to stretch it out so right. I can keep my visa. Right. Because I just didn't feel like that's the right thing to do. And once again, I'm not, I'm not attached to U.S. or I wasn't attached to U.S. that much at that point. Mm -hmm. So I went through, a, um, I want to say that it wasn't the most pleasant divorce. Okay. We had we have houses together and and we have we have stuff that we own. We just built a brand new house. We had a mortgage and everything else. So there was a good few month process that I was dealing with uh, immigration attorneys, mm. um, marriage uh, and divorce mediators, <clears throat> uh, realtors, just trying to figure out where my life is at. So that was a big moment where. Uh, I, I went from living in a over 3,000 square foot home that was that we built from ground up to across the street from Hard Rock Casino over here in a little weekly rental place. Right. And it was a moment where I realized like, hey, what I really want to do. So like, so some people might go in a way like, hey, let's just go partying and then I'm, I'm free. I'm not married anymore. But for me, I was like, okay, now it's time to focus on me and get super hyper-focused what I want from this point on. Do I want to fight my stay over here or do I just want to kind of kind of flip the cards and, and see what the next chapter is in some other country? So, but um, I'm, I'm glad that I stayed because I, I, I found my amazing wife uh, and and it's, it's, it's been an amazing journey from that point on. But mm -hmm. that was definitely a moment where, where I had to do some soul searching Right. Meaning like what's important to me or when I want to spend my time. Right, right. So I know what it sounds like, but I want to hear your relationship with it. What has fitness and that focus, not only in your personal being, but your clients and, and the business of fitness, how is that, <clears throat> where is that in your life? What does it mean to you, that part of your life? <clears throat> It, it is part of my identity. It, it is. It's, uh, 
and I'm trying to keep it as, as healthy as possible, that identity. I don't want to have my attachment to it because I had a severe injury as well that that anyone who's, whose fitness is close to their heart and they go through some debilitating injury, it's the physical aspect and hit is one thing, but the emotional impact that you get now when big part of your beingness is taken away by yeah. your performance. So I realized how important that is. What was the injury? I, I tore my both of my pecs. Oh, both so, of them. Yeah, so I actually tore them twice in, in, a, in a matter of one month. Oh, so one, one just doing flies at the gym and uh, I wasn't even pushing myself and something just like felt like something snapped and I had bruising down all the way to my wrist and I didn't go to a doctor. I just got a lot of cryotherapy done and I was like, you know what? I think I dodged the bullet on that one. I was like, I think it was just like a, a little tear. Right. So a month later, my wife and I, we were in uh, Amalfi Coast uh, outside of Italy. So we thought it's a great idea to go some cliff diving. So I jumped down from about 70 foot cliff mm. and, uh, and there was enough time that I was kind of balancing myself in the air with my hands and I wasn't able to put my arms in fast enough. So arms went up, I tore both of my pecs. So, so my wife jumped after me about two, three minutes and broke two of, two of her ribs. Oh shit! Cause she hit you? No, she just hit the water. So Hard. Yeah, because wow. seventy foot, it's a, it's so, a, it's a long way. Yeah, you have some time to think on your way down. What, what is that? Three stories, four stories? Yeah, something like that. Wow. And to say that it's high. I was, I was somewhere around ninety feet first. Then the local boat captain said, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so you gotta come lower. You gotta come lower a little bit. Like, okay. But um, going back to that, it's, it's fitness is is. It's, it's a getaway for me, but it's also a way that I can just take these mental breaks from my business, whatever. Like I, I work a home-based business with my wife. Uh, we run two, three different businesses and, and I get very scatterbrained fast. Like I'm in front of my computer for two hours. I really need like, you know what? I need a mental break. I might go to a 30, 40 minute workout at the gym nearby and that's going to be kind of like my, my meditation moment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the fitness is, is the way to prove myself. If I feel like, okay, some things are not just panning out, then I need another vehicle where I can, where I can prove myself that, Hey, I'm getting better in some shape or form. Progress. So, yeah. So the fitness plays so many different roles in my life. Yeah. So it's not only the meditation, it's the, it's the it's the venue where I'm actually just proving myself over and over again, yeah. and it's been shifting throughout the years to focus yeah. around that a lot. Interesting, yeah, good stuff. So um, I follow a lot of different doctors. Um, mm. One I don't know if you're familiar with, Doctor Lustig, Robert Lustig. Um, he's a uh, he's a big advocate against sugar. Mm. Um, he talks about it all the time. But recently he did a clip that said um, stress was the main cause of visceral fat. <clears throat> and coming from this doctor who's literally, all his stuff is about sugar. He mm. actually wrote that book right there, The Hacking of the American Mind. And uh, so he said stress, the, there was a study that showed um, the cohorts were uh, depressed and uh, anxious, and they did MRIs on them, and they were losing weight, but their visceral fat was getting growing. 
um, <clears throat> I've it just and then it just dawned on me that like, wow, you know, I know stress is a killer, mm. but I didn't really even realize that it could be part of actually the type of fat that you're getting, and how us lifers that are working out for all our lives um, have these inherent advantages that we don't even realize you know you talk about stress reduce you talk about cancer reduce you talk about visceral fat reduction um talk to me about stress in your life and and fitness for you yeah and i love that you talked about blood sugar and and sugar in general because that's something that in the past few years everything that i've done with myself and with my clients have always been around blood sugar levels and yes, stress has actually a stress response in your body. It's what happens is you're, when, you're, when you go in a state of stress, your body's going to start taking some of the glucose that's around your liver and does actually going to start converting that and pushing that in your bloodstream. And that's when, when, when things are starting to happen. Like you, you don't have time to process that anymore. And sugar itself, I, I still, like I'm not a, I don't want to demonize carbohydrates because we need them, but we still need to balance the blood sugar levels by pairing them up with other macros as well. So stress is, is we all have stress. Mm -hmm. Like we, one of the big things that I, I work with a lot of my clients right now, the people that, that we deal with is we, I, I have, I have the conversation with them. Like, I can't remove your stress. Like if you have, if you have a job or a wife or kids or, responsibilities or obligations, you have stress. But what I can help you is how you cope with that stress. Mm. Because that's where we have absolute control over how our body is able to cope with that. And so, so one of the big thing is that um, when you really start conditioning yourself, like you said, our fitness guys, we have a fecal hormesis. Hormesis is is where you create a controlled stress response to your body. So when your body actually goes now in uncontrolled stress, you can bounce back in a homeostasis. So as we work out, we're constantly working this hormetic effect, effect in our bodies. So yes, I think everyone should work out all the time vigorously. And 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 I think we we sh and I'm not as saying that like intermittent fasting and all that is going to be a great thing for you all the time. But I believe strongly that we should experience hunger sometimes. Mm. We should experience thirst sometimes. We should experience extreme heats or extreme cold sometimes because we need to condition that body to handle that stress because once again, sooner or later, it's going to hit you from in the moment where you least expect it. And if your body is not conditioned to, to cope with that, then the, the, the effects can be very catastrophic, not just yeah. for you, but people around you, because you just yeah. keep lashing out like a maniac. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also recently got into a few years back when the whoop watches and all the, mm. the bio, uh, devices, you know, the mm -hmm. Apple watches and HRV and, when I when he brought up stress regarding you know um, visceral fat uh, deposits, it just clicked. It's just like wow, like the you know the the sympathetic uh, response and the and and the you know getting your heart rate levels to be lower, um, how <coughs> important that is 
and and you know especially during your sleep time mm. um do you uh work with that in your clients the hrv and and getting them um to <clears throat> to realize that you're you do need that dip every night yeah so i i i studied the hrv a lot and and as people don't, it's it's basically a measurement of your central nervous system. Yep. So it's the microscopic time differences between each heartbeat. And uh, in a healthy HRV, there should be like very, uh, there would be a lot of volatility between those microscopic time differences between beats. And if it doesn't have, that means that your central nervous system is not operating in a full function. And it might be because the lack of sleep might be that you're working out too much or whatever, anything else. So yeah, I, I do have my clients that I worked in the past, like I'm kind of semi-retired. I have, my wife and I, we, we work with a couple of high net worth individuals that we consult full time still, but we're not actively really, really like going out there and training clients and like we used to. But the past two, three years, uh, when I was training all my clients, I, I, I use a lot of biometrics and biotrackers because the information is something that a good trainer should always take into consideration. Mm-hmm. And in just the simple fact that like the whoops and all that, like they're great because they literally tell you, you might feel awesome. You might take uh, 400 milligrams of caffeine and pre-workout and feel like a beast. <laughs> but if your central nervous system is not operating on a full on, that means that you're going to expose yourself to an injury. Mm. So yes, I absolutely love those biotrackers and biometrics. Yeah, yeah. Um, how important is is sleep in your your current program? Not mm. your training, but like in your you know lifestyle and behavior programs. And mm. where do you put sleep in in that? Uh, sleep, absolutely, one of the most important things. I, I think so many people are still thinking that. I got good seven hours of sleep, but I'm like, did you got good sleep or did you got seven hours of sleep? Because right. they were not always the same, one and right. the same. Right. So, yeah, there's like even Arnold at this old old saying is like, well, some people say that you need eight hours of sleep. No, you need five hours of sleep or four right. hours, and right. I'm just gonna say sleep faster. <laughs> but there are so many different scientific studies coming out like. Sooner or later, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna cause cause yourself a lot of damage. Yeah. Even your cardiovascular system. Yeah. Like, I believe me, when I was my twenties and we were in a recon missions and everything else, we can we can go like forty eight hours no sleep. I think my longest time with no uh, no sleep was like seventy hours or something. Wow. And I I felt like a zombie. Right. And uh, but then. I, I worked um, I worked in the security field. I work as a bouncer, so I had a lot of lot of um, weeks that I average got like four hours of sleep. And when you're in your twenties, you can pull that off. Right. But as you get older, you just feel like, man, I I I, I got less than six hours of sleep. I I I need to do something. Right. But sometimes we can only squeeze in six hours. So a lot of my focus goes in the sleep quality, mm. meaning I'm I'm might have my evening evening routines. Um, we're gonna start lowering lights in our house. We're turning on different different color lights, so lower. It's not gonna be this daylight. Uh, we're trying to limit any kind of screen time. We still watch TV because that's kind of like our way to relax. But uh, sometimes we have a a glass of wine with my wife, and 
but we're not eating like sugary foods before we go to bed. We don't. So we make these conscious decisions that that makes a, a bigger impact on the quality of the sleep. Yes. When we know that we're not necessarily able to get that seven, eight hours, but if we get six and we get really good quality six, it's still going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about the evolution of, because uh, a lot of personal trainers um, watch this show. Um, how did the evolution from that to what you're currently doing now, and as is it Project Elevate, is that your <clears throat> your current project that's coming up? How did that all come to? So yeah, um, <clears throat> so why it kind of led from my um, my fitness career. So I ended up getting um, the institute that I went in Finland was kind of a it was a global in, like uh, athletic institute. They had a massive like few thousand acre campus. Oh wow. Uh, where all the global top athletes came in to have their final camps for whatever sports they were at. What was that called? Uh, yeah. It's it's a it's an old Olympic city in Finland, but it's called Vierumäki. So okay. it's <laughs> it's a tongue twister, but <laughs> but there are led doctors and everything else. So they they were also coaching the business aspect of sport and athletics. So we also got courses of how to run business, fitness businesses. So when when I started doing my personal training business, I started looking at the training of not just how I train my clients. It's how I'm going to structure the business around it. What kind of what what's my mission? What's uh, what's my vision in that training? <clears throat> what is my what are what is my company's or later on me and my wife's company's main goal? What's our brand? So we started getting more into that. So it was a very beginning, was very business savvy approach on business. Obviously we wanted to provide a good quality training product as well, but, but we've always had that business very close to our heart, the entrepreneurship. But then later on <clears throat> where, um, every trainer knows that there is, it's the feast of famine. You have either, either calendar booked or you have crickets. <laughs> and uh and there was a time where we started looking at how can we create more leverage in our business how we can bring more revenue what are the revenue streams and we got into at the time a very hesitantly we got into network marketing and that was a big thing at the time because my wife was like hey listen i i found a company uh we we found something that can that we can uh we can align with our training business and for me, it was, was all like this big old school, it's a pyramid scheme and everything else. Right. So my motivation to agree to get started with my wife was that I'm going to expose everyone. I was a very, <laughs> very not, not positive person back then. Right, right. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to go start working from inside. I'm going to you know all their secrets and right. I'm going to expose the doctor and the IFPB pro that got me started. And I'm like, I'm going to expose the company and the industry. And then I started realizing like, man, I got a small mind. So mm. we got into that aspect and, and, and later on we fell in love with the industry. And whoever has been working on in network marketing, for me, it's like Harvard Business School. It's, it's truly that teaches you the fundamentals of any business. So if you, can be, if you can be successful in network marketing, in my opinion, you can be successful in so many other businesses. Because it teaches you about problem solving, how to communicate with people, how to deal with sales, how to create systems and programs and protocols, 
Hi, fitness junkies. It's Dr. Leslie again. I'm coming to you from the Sticky Paws studio where I film my podcast. I wanted to bring you an opportunity that is out of this world. I have launched my Living Your Mastery Total Transformation program where I create the life that you've always wanted authentically. Yes, everything that you want and desire you can have and I have the program for you. I've partnered with MD Spa by Trim Care to help facilitate the physical transformation aspect of my program. We offer everything from aesthetics, regenerative medicine, primary care, weight loss, really everything. You name it, we've got it. You can contact them at 702-718-7888 and just let them know that Fitness Junkies sent you. Hey all you fitness junkies, this is George with American Medical Wellness. Have you ever thought about being a better you, actually getting in better shape, optimizing your performance in the gym, losing body fat, gaining muscle? We at American Medical Wellness are experts in helping you with all these things. So please give us a call, 702-347-7000 or visit our website at AmericanMedicalWellness.com. It's just all very fundamentals. So we in, in a very short amount of time, we, we created a, almost a $10 million, $10 million revenue business. And, uh, and we started helping a lot of people, making all the way up to six figures. Uh, so we started getting more into the coaching aspect. So when Project Elevate, we wanted to start that up. We wanted to create a community, not just for network marketing, not just for anything else, but... A, a community of like-minded people where you can elevate your mental capacity. You can train yourself to become more resilient. You can physically, you can have the tools within that community that allows you to physically improve yourself. But also, if you want, if that's your go-to, you can also create a financial change for yourself by, by engaging in the same kind of business activities that we've been very successful. So it's... Uh, the elevate it's literally like we're elevating your 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 mind body and bank account mm, mm. now is that part of the network marketing uh company that you're with no, is this, this different is, this is our completely our own own brand okay and so we've been very fortunate to attract a lot of great mentors in our lives like all the way up to guys who are billionaires and um guys that are, have run Fortune 500 companies, financial advisors, tax strategists, people that we work already. So we've attained a, a pretty good network of people that can provide value through us or who can we bring into this community and, and allow people to, to build themselves up with, like I said, using just financial tools that we can, we can connect you with, uh, the physical tools, nutrition, or, or even that that mental wellness aspect, the mental performance aspect that we're we're promoting in a high level. Okay, so with this, is this company been launched yet, or is it still coming? So, the project Elevate is is we're kind of going on a pre-launch. Okay. We're so we we have private groups for that and everything else. Uh, we're working with a few different companies to uh, create the platform fully on that. But, um, <clears throat> but I'm going to say by September, we have that up and running and, and we're going to have meetings and oh, wow. we're going to have uh, online meetings, in-person meetings, and, and we're going to have different masterminds. Nice, nice. So I'm trying to get a, a, 
a bird's eye view of, mm. of all the different pieces in your your uh, your empire here. Mm. Um, would someone come into uh, Project Elevate and then you'd put them into your um, your network marketing program if that was something that you thought would be good for them? Or is this something more aligned with taking what they're doing mm. and elevating it? it? It might be something that they do themselves. Like yeah. I've, I've always been like, I don't want to, I don't want to drag or convince people to do something that really don't resonate with them in any way. So the network marketing aspect is just one of the tools that we provide in that. And it's it's one of the aspects that we've been very successful, not just for ourselves, but also coaching people how to do it. Right. But like I said, we have we have Vegas, we have masterminds over here. We have uh, different uh, CEO, what we call the boss society. So we have different meetings over here in different venues where we're gonna bring like-minded people from different industries and just a network. Mm. Uh, but we're gonna have a lot of different events. Events, Like I said, my wife and I, we, we have other businesses and investments as well uh, that's completely outside of network marketing. Okay. So <clears throat> what it, it's basically think of the project Elevate as a display of, of our offering. So you can mm. then choose like, you know what? I love the community. I love the like-minded people. I just want to hang out and be part of this community and get educated of different aspects of entrepreneurship, nutrition, uh, mental performance, and mental wellness. Uh, or you can just come in and say, hey, listen, I, I'm looking for a business opportunity. I'm looking to create leverage in my business, and I want to learn to do what you guys are doing. Or then you can just might come in for the, for the physical aspect. Hey, I just want to learn about nutrition. I just want to feel better and I just want to feel happier. So you can kind of pick and choose. So no, it's, I, it doesn't have to be like, okay, you come in, this is what you need to do. Like, right. No, absolutely not. Okay. And, and that's one of the things that people, people kind of steer away from sometimes when there's like, oh, you're doing one of those things. And I said, right. it's like, well, tell me about it. What do you mean one of those things? Right. It's like, well, you just try to get me. I'm just like, actually don't like I, I, I don't want to work with someone who doesn't want to work with me. Right. So right. that's one of the, that's one of the, the first requirements is you have to be like willing. Right. But like my mentor shared with me, like if, if, if you're hungry, willing and coachable, I can, I can provide you a lot of value. Mm. But if someone lacks one of those three things, I don't think I can help you even if I want to help you. Mm. So, so I just ultimately want that to be a community of like-minded people. You okay. can do whatever you want, but if you find some value of our com what we, what our community provides, then great. Awesome. We're happy. So what's the barrier to enter, enter that program? Is there a fee? Is it uh, just joining the b different levels of involvement, like mentorship? Is that another fee? Or what, how does that all work? So we're, we're working on certain coaching programs. <clears throat> um, we're kind of done it uh, in the past. Um, We've helped personal trainers how to structure their personal training businesses, online businesses, how to how to operate with certain softwares that are known in the industry, how to how to structure everything. And that's never been our business business of ours. And I don't think it's never gonna be full on that business, but the the community is is for free. Like we, we wanna provide value for free. Mm. And if you if you reach out to us and say, hey, listen, I I'm, I'm really resonating with this. How can I learn more? How can I get more involved? 
What do you guys offer? Then we can either start working with you ourselves or then we can direct you to someone who can help them on, on that specific area. So it, there, there's no, no such thing than fee or, or admission or something. Right. Um, sometimes we have, um, my wife has a boss babe society, mm-hmm. uh, that she's, it's a, it's a women's networking event, mm-hmm. but then we also have a, um, a co, uh, co event, which is boss society, which is just the entrepreneurial minded people. So sometimes on those events, we're having about 60 or 70 people getting together, uh, usually once a month, they might have a $10 admission fee that usually goes into the, the venue cost right. or something like that. Right. But cost wise, you can get involved in a very, very, if not free, then in a very, very low cost for, for a random events like that. Right. And it's, it, it makes sense. And, you know, I think all the, the great marketers, um, believe in there's so much abundance if you can give, give, give as much as you can, and it will come back to you. The the revenue will come. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, even with all the mentors that we work with, and they've always said the same thing: like just provide value to your network. Yeah. No matter, don't always try to go with the what we call commission breath. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like everything you say has to be like, okay, what it's in, what's in for me, what's right. in for me, what's Where's in for ROI? me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and 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 once you create that that mindset of like, I have a lot of successful people that I just connected them. Um, I think last week I had a call with with a friend of mine. Um, it's a genius. Went to MIT and Harvard Business Schools. Has done startup businesses worth of four billion dollars. And I connected him with another mentor of mine uh, in, in a business who was a billionaire already himself. And I said, listen, I just wanted to connect cute, like-minded people over here. And, and I also want to hear conversations that you have because maybe I'm going to learn something from it. But my first goal is like, hey, I want to bring these two successful people together and see if you create something with that, great. Right. Because like you said, I believe in abundance. Mm-hmm. I believe that once you create value for the people, people eventually going to bring that value back to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I love you and Mandy how you've created this this life that you desired and, and uh, the family you created. Talk a little bit about the health aspect of community and family as it pertains to you yeah it's so as you know my wife's uh retired fitness pro is one of the top ones in the world at the time and and her last competition was literally nine years ago just when we're just kind of just dating so the health and wellness has always been uh in the center of our relationship and same thing with our family, uh, a son that's, that's playing competitive basketball, very competitive, uh, daughter played volleyball very competitively. So the fitness, maybe it's not going to be like, it's never going away from our family and everything that we have, not just each other, but all the business and everything else, it come, it, it all that came in directly or directly through health and wellness and fitness. And even the mindset of, of conquering yourself, it, it comes from the gym. 
it comes from the mindset of like, hey, you got to withstand some pain in order to get some results. That all no pain, no gain. Doing hard Aspen. shit. Yeah. Lifting heavy shit. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like it's not fun all the time. It's not sunshine and rainbows and unicorns hopping around, but <laughs> but it's gonna be something that's gonna help you help you physically get better and also mentally. And we didn't understand that aspect until now. And and that's once we realize what what role that played in mental uh, um, in the physical wellness the mental wellness aspect of it that's what we kind of putting a lot of our focus on now mm. because when when we had an opportunity to partner up with uh, with the mental wellness company uh, i started kind of realizing like kind of whenever there's something new presented to me uh, i always go back to my core values and I'm going to go through the questions like, is this aligned with my core values? Is this going to get me closer where it's at? I, it might not be a, a vehicle that I thought it's going to be part of my journey, but as long as it aligns on my core values, I'm going to adopt that in. Mm. So I went through that process like, hey, how has mental wellness been playing a part of my life? Not just in, in my coaching, but in, in personal training and everything else. And it became very obvious that it's 90% of that. Because even looking at all my clients, like, and you've also like built workout routines and meal plans and everything else, like you can put a perfect plan to your client, like step-by-step -step instructions, like follow this and you will get shredded or you get <laughs> results. But what makes them to choose or not to choose to follow it? Mm. It's their mood and emotions. It's their mental state. And we started realizing that if we can build something or adopt some principles that help people to elevate their mood and mental state, you're naturally going to start making better decisions in life. Meaning there's a there's the nice chicken salad with some grilled chicken or you have that that Big Mac meal over there mm -hmm. and next to you. And it's like, obviously, we all know that the Big Mac meal is, is pretty crappy. Right. It's going to make you feel pretty crappy. Right. But we still sometimes choose it because of our mental state, right. because of whatever uh, whatever reward we we talked to ourselves, like, no, 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 you deserve this cheat meal right now. You can start tomorrow. All of that is is affected by your mood and emotions. Yeah. And that's one thing that we, we started incorporating a lot of the people that we work with is like, hey, we can actually m enhance your mental state, emotional state. In a, we can actually start tweaking your biochemistry. So you can start producing more neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine and GABA and, and acetylcholine and, and stuff like that. So that's when we start getting more and more into that phase. And, and But it all started from fitness. It all wellness played role in all of that. We learn about human psychology when we train our clients. Right. We learn about like how human mind works. Mm. So, but yeah, everything has been around health and wellness and fitness and probably will be. Right, right. You mentioned your um, kids and them playing sports, mm -hmm. um, which in this society that we live in now, um, there's some things going on that are blowing me away, um, not to date myself but <clears throat> this is a 
the weirdest time in my life over the last three years since COVID. Um, George, can you sh show that video? Um, I got you. Here we kay. go. Women you and don't some believe that, are that a biological male has a physical advantage in sports over a biological female? Not as a, a definitive statement. How many female members of the NBA do you see? Well, I can say that, you know, there's been this news article about men that think that they could beat Serena Williams in tennis, right? That they think that they could actually score a point on her. Um, and it's just not the case. She is stronger James, than that. What's your experience, Ben? Male, female. Both Serena and Venus lost to the 203rd ranked male tennis player, which they're phenoms for women. Um, my experience, my husband, he swam at University of Kentucky as well. In terms of accolades and in terms of national ranking, I was a much better swimmer than him. Um, he could kick my butt any day of the week without trying. <clears throat> so, you know, the whole transgender thing mm. and... Um, I feel um, just remorse for young women in this country now, especially young women athletes. Um, that swimmer's story is just amazing. Um, these biological men that are now getting Women of the Year awards, is, I'm just like, to be a young woman in today's society, and then if you speak out, you're be, then you become this transphobic person. Mm. Um, and, and even Serena, like <laughs> the person that that person was talking about, she even had this to say. Andy Murray, he oh, he was been joking about um, myself and him playing a match. And I'm like, Andy, seriously, like, are you kidding me? Because for me, tennis and men's tennis and women's tennis are completely almost two separate sports. So I'm like, if I were to play Andy Murray, I would lose 6-0, 6-0 in five to six minutes, maybe 10 minutes. Because it's, no, no, it's it, true. It's honestly, true. It's a completely... Really. It's a completely different sport. The men are a lot faster, and me and um, they they get they serve harder, they hit hard. It's just a different game. And I love to play women's tennis, and I I only want to play girls because I don't want to be embarrassed. I would not do the tour. I wouldn't do Billie Jean any justice. So Andy, stop it. Yeah. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna let you kill me. So being a father to a young woman, what is your view of the world? How do you teach your kids to navigate all this? That is, um, <laughs> man, that's something like, I'm, I'm personally all about like your individual rights, like yes. whatever you want to do. But there are times when you start putting individuals and you start putting them in a groups that are affecting other people around you. That's when you start to have to start kind of refigure it out like this is a good idea like can i can i apply these individual rights on this area and the answer is no you really can't because there's <clears throat> and teaching that to the kids is is like you want to teach them to be accepting right. but understand but a lot of the conversation even that we have with with our kids it's just going to be like conversations and not that we're trying to put something on their head because not in any point like it, it made very clear that whatever comes to physicality it doesn't matter if you come to your gender gender reassignment but you, you're you still hold advantages 
to a level that you can't just ignore. Right. Like just looking at the MMA fighters like Fallon Foxes and stuff like that, that's been a kind of a center of it. Yeah. And I, and there's even been sayings like interviews where they say like, hey, if, if Mike Tyson would just now decide to say that, hey, I'm a woman. Right. And, and they've asked like different politicians, like would you, should he be allowed to fight a biological woman? So right. like, yeah, absolutely. Short, short answer is yes. So <laughs> like, I don't know. That goes in the physical abuse category in my point. Like that yeah. would absolutely get destroyed yeah. there. And it's to a, to a point that it's not like destroyed by someone's feelings. Right. It's like permanent damage slash death is, is definitely on the table on that point. Right. So I, I want to, I, I think a lot of them, Transgender, and once again, if if someone wants to do that and feel like I, I I need to go through this process, great, all all power to you. But it it should not be like let's shove this down your throat, and it, it it's 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 kind of gone too far to a point that it's whenever you add politics in it, that's when it usually takes a it's a hard turn right. to wrong direction. Right, and then you know family the family unit is now being attacked and um it's so important in what you're doing because you're trying to level up people's lives and many of them have families and many of them are having these challenges and sending their kids to public schools and that's now becoming a russian roulette you don't know what they're teaching them and it's like I don't have any kids, and I would just be freaked out bringing kids into this world. It's just, it's just crazy. Yeah, I. Whenever we had a chance, we pulled kids out of the public schools, put them in private schools. So, just the simple aspect of of you looking at preschool. Like I got upset a few times the kids because they came home and. Like they had backpack full of just different kind of candy bars and snacks and everything else. It's like, where do you, like, where do you get this from? <laughs> it's like, well, I got some points. So, what their system is that if you behave good, you get points that you can then then redeem from the from the school snack store and get chips and candy and everything else. Oh, so now you're now you indirectly saying that food is a reward right. and usually crappy food is a reward. So right. like what, what make you decide that this is okay? Right. To teach you to my tell, kids. Yeah. So at that point, like even simple things like that. Yeah. And once again, politics are so deeply, deeply seated into the school systems already. And it's, it's just become this massive mess. So yeah. like, I, I want to believe that, that they like the individual teachers, they are there to, just provide education for people. But then when you go into these higher echelon, like precisions in the school systems, it's just like fully political precisions. Yeah. And they're affected by political movements, which is so bad. Yeah. And it's, and I, it, it does feel bad that parents' individual rights are just kind of taking away because now there's more and more decisions being made behind parents' backs, yeah. what's going on in school. So... I think it's going to cause a, a, a big shift in some point to privatizing schools yeah. because I think parents are going to have more and more. They want to have challenges schools. They're going to have these private schools 
where they can actually now say, hey, listen, I know I'm going to take my kids here because I know exactly what's being provided for them. Mm. So it, it's, it's, it's important to have these conversations. Yeah. And whenever, whenever our kids say something about topics that are very kind of polarizing, mm-hmm. we've had made a point to just kind of sit down and just kind of, kind of like, hey, let's, let's break this down. Let's, let's look at the both sides of it. So it's not that we're trying to hammer down, this is the right thing, but we're just right. like, have you, have you considered this question? Have you considered this question? What about this? What about this? Have you, have you thought of this aspect? Right. And m- more, more than once, they've always been like, oh, I get it now. Right. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even thought about that. Right. So not just, it's not my job to hammer them in a, my ideology, I have my core values and I think that's just like acceptance of being a good person and try to be better and, and do nice work hard. Those, those these are the kind of universal factors that parents should teach their kids mm-hmm. no matter what. But beyond that, it's our job to just kind of open up the world a little bit more. So like, it's not exactly how this doctor says, it's not exactly how this teacher says, because that is not that. You can get in a precision that there's so many different videos too where teachers are now like literally pushing their own individual opinions on kids and they have yeah. just a captivated audience. Yeah. And they are just like sucking like sponges, yeah. whether they know it or not. So I think that's that's something that's gonna blow up at some point. I don't yeah. know how it's gonna happen, yeah. but Man, it's it's kind of sad to look at the school system sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Coming from Finland mm. and the uh, I don't know whether that's a socialistic <clears throat> environment or, but you, I love to talk to people that have grown up in different type of environments, uh, society wise, and and how the countries are run. What are some of the things that you've realized from where you grew up to what's happening here now and um, the differences and, and, and maybe some of the, the things that are good on this side and maybe they should look at that as prob- probably something they should <clears throat> indoctrinate? Uh, I love this topic. <laughs> I really do. I think I have a pretty good grasp on what's going on because I, I lived in four or five countries prior to moving to U.S. <clears throat> and I, I traveled 35, 40 countries in the world. And, and I, I love study different cultures and different things. So uh, Finland, politically, <clears throat> being a little more in the middle a lot of times, uh, I will say that probably if, if, you, if you consider yourself a Democrat in Finland, you're more likely to be a little more right-leaning in in U.S. where you fall on a scale. And mm-hmm. that was a big thing is that I thought I, I had more like a little more left-leaning values in a way. But when I moved to U.S., I was probably, probably people would have categorized me if they want to put me in a box, put me in a conservative side of it. Oh, wow. Which is I've always been in a fairly middle of it. But uh-huh. I just want to say that not to just kind of say that, hey, this is my political ideology, but kind of how the cultural uh, and the country differences are, are shifting a lot. Now, I haven't lived in the U.S., I'm sorry, in Finland for 13 years. So 
But there are still some things that <clears throat> people like to compare in the U.S. It's like, well, what about Finland? Like they provide, they, they have uh, high taxes and they provide free health care to everyone. And I said, look at the U.S. population. Look at how unhealthy and sick they are. And if you, if you apply the Finnish, let's pay, give everyone's free health care, this country would be bankrupted in, in less than a year. <laughs> it's just a fact. Right. So right. Finland is a country of five and a half million people. Oh, wow. Small. And so it's basically two Vegases putting together this country <laughs> of Finland. Right. So, right. so you can't, you can't, like, a lot of people like to say, like, oh, Finland is a socialist country. Like, no, not really. Like, there's a lot of different things that Denmark or, or Sweden, these are socialist countries. But not really. It's, it's really easy to make that statement because you look at different aspects of it. But it's, uh, it's, it's more kind of on the, on the middle, mm. if you want to put, put kind of in, in a political terms here in the U.S. But... But um, that's how, how did they handle COVID? Did, did you follow that compared to what we did here? <laughs> yeah, fairly, fairly similar. Okay. Um, pretty similar. Sweden didn't even put lockdowns in no, place. No, no, Sweden. So <laughs> I, I, I had a few doctor friends that are in Sweden. They said, like, hey, this is how we operate. This is how we train the pandemic. Like, we just let it roam through the population and only treat the people that required that treatment but we don't want to results were great yeah <laughs> so but uh it also helps that finland and, and a lot of the countries they are not two party systems mm. like in us you can say well there's more than two parties but no there's not right but in finland i think there is like 11 or 12 parties now wow so there is anything from christian party to green party which is the couple of center parties then there's a right and the left, and then the socialist party. So there's so many different parties, and, and how they, how the power is being divided. Those parties, there are like three to four main parties, and then the rest of it kind of chops a little piece of it. But at least it's not like how it's seen in the U.S. Like I think that's the biggest thing is U.S. culture like to put things in a in a in a specific box yeah so like okay you're not with me or now you're then that means that you're my enemy right so we're we're lacking in us we're lacking the middle field like there's a sliding scale like there's there's what you think and that's what i think and if we're not a, if if we're not 100 agreement there's a big sliding scale that we can agree or disagree and that goes in a lot of different topics mm. so and i think that's one of the biggest reason where I came to US when I realized like man this is this is this is this is not good for long term yeah you're even looking at political advertisement most of the political advertisements in the US are the slandering the opponent yeah. like it's not like hey this is my promises it's a little bit of that but it mostly it's a slandering the the opposing uh, the party or or the, yeah opposing candidate and and that's your that's your strategy. Let's right. just try to find as much dirt. Right. So then this become this whole system becomes so toxic. Right. And but because I believe in this basic psychology wise, when people have big emotions, they're easier to control. Mm. Uh, it's easier to control angry people than happy people. Mm. Very true. Yeah. Very true. 
So back to your fitness, um, and you know, a lot of a lot of our uh, viewers like to hear like a day in a life of of what you do, like a <coughs> typical day where you know you're doing your work, you're doing your workouts, and what are you eating, and like. Bedtime, when you wake up, that whole thing. <clears throat> yeah, so we usually like to wake up around 6.30. Uh, we, we have our morning routine. We have our new, new tropic cocktails that we do first thing in the morning, a little bit of caffeine, adaptogens, some, some, some mushroom mixes that we do. Uh, we go outside, get in the sunlight as fast as possible. <clears throat> we go to our backyard and we have a breathing routine that we do. Um, Get nitric oxide moving in our body. Make sure you get that vitamin D first thing in the morning. Uh, sunlight exposure, immediately get that uh, endocrine system and your circadian rhythm yeah. on the right track. Yeah. <clears throat> then uh, my wife has her own routines, kind of like shake-wise. She likes to start the day. Um, I do some some eggs in the morning based on how, how hard I've been working out, what carbs I'm, I'm going to do with that. But... My my go-to is first thing, eggs in the morning. Then I'm going to go into business emails and messages and everything else. Uh, after that, I'm first thing in the morning, I like to do also kind of break down what's coming up today. Uh, there might be some new appointment that's been putting on our calendar overnight uh, since we have a global business. So we, we work with a lot of different time zones. Uh, do you do any uh, journaling or meditation or is that part of the breathing or <clears throat> so in a, during the breathing um we it's um we go through our daily goals so three things that i want to accomplish i'm going to go through in my head and uh three things that i'm grateful of mm. so gratitude is one thing that we do first thing in the morning like hey it might be something like i'm so grateful that i woke up this morning Mm. I'm so grateful that there's sun is shining over here. I'm so grateful that I woke up next to my wife. I'm so grateful that I get to work from home. Mm. <clears throat> I'm so grateful that I, I feel like smiling this morning. It right. might be something very simple, right? But that's the one thing that um, that we do. So three things that we're grateful of. Three things that we want to accomplish that day. Awesome. And uh, so we've had season where we journal. My wife had those seasons a little bit more. That she does morning journaling first thing in the morning. But uh, I never got into journaling. Uh, at least some point I, I probably should. But uh, that meditative like breathing has been has always been great for me. Like set the intentions for the day and and started with the right attitude. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's um, we've tried different kind of methods. Uh, through different kind of mentorships, like what's been helping. And, and the morning routine has been the longest staying routine that we've had. Mm. Like we've religiously pretty much done that now for six, seven years. Awesome. Yeah. And then I cut you off. And then your, your mid-morning work, um, <clears throat> then how long does that go? You said sometimes you have to take a break. So <clears throat> how the, how's the rest of the day look? Yeah, some um, so usually it's the next couple of hours on on email, emails and messages and, and stuff like that. Our calls start usually starting from noon. Um, we have our team that we work with; they have access to our calendar, so they can basically book our calendar. That the times that we make them available. <clears throat> so breakdown of the day, uh, then I want to kind of set like, hey, listen, I'm going to do this in this meeting, and after that, I'm going to go work out. So I don't have a workout time specifically that. 
this time I have to go to the gym or I'm not going to the gym. Because sometimes I feel like I need to do that first thing in the morning. And sometimes I feel like if I'm going to work out a heavy workout, I need three, four meals under me. And I need to do that later in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So um, um, we talked earlier about blood sugar balance. So we try to eat every three hours uh, just to stabilize blood sugars. And it's always protein, fat, and carb in some some whether it's equal ratio or some other ratio based on what time of day it is. But um, <clears throat> then uh, we have we have a lot of calls, a lot of online Zooms and meetings. Occasionally we have some, some in-person uh, events and meetings that we do. They are mostly in the nighttime, but it's, it's very flexible. Um, Sundays are conventionally fairly like a little easier day. So that's when we do a lot of planning, a lot of goal setting for the next week, uh, filling up our calendar as much as we can. And, um, and but yeah, weekends is, we still work. Sometimes it doesn't really matter if it's Monday or Sunday or Wednesday, it's all right, the same. Right, right. But, uh, but we don't, we like to have some structure without tying ourselves in a, like, this is the way it is. There's no, deviating from this right right because i personally can't live with that right i i I, I can't just go through a day and say i need to do this because my calendar says so right but i'm also saying if it's not in a calendar it's probably not happening for me Mm. so right okay and then when do you usually get to bed to sleep um between 10 30 and midnight Depending kind on what's of going de- on. Yeah, depending on how tired we are, how, how early we need to wake up. Um, so, but usually it's been going somewhere between 11, 11.30 is probably the most common time. Okay. Um, we're done working somewhere. Usually we put phones away 9.30-ish. Okay. And then we might have a glass of wine. Um, we might hang out with our kids a little bit. Um, we... We like to watch historical shows, so we'll watch a lot of ancient culture shows and history and discovery channels. So, have a glass of wine and just kind of wind down. Um, usually, when this is funny, usually when we do that, that's when our brain's gonna start running the most. <laughs> so, like in the middle of the conversation, those shows, like, okay, pause it. Okay, here's what's in my mind right now. Right. Like, what do you think about this? Right. So it's it's funny. So even though we're trying to kind of put the phone away but sometimes those creative juices are still running and like it's still on subconsciously kind of we're running like what's coming so we're like all right all right let's 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 start working on this right now right right that sounds great that sounds really cool so how do people get involved with you what's the best way to maybe eventually get to the project elevate i think i want to get involved Mm. so how do how do we get involved with that so you can even even reach out to. Um, so we had a company, Elevated Society. Um, so that's on Instagram, but we're gonna rebrand that project, Elevate. But probably easiest way to just kind of learn more about what we do, and uh, it's just Facebook, Follow Sami Eskalin. Okay. Uh, my wife, Mandy White Eskalin. Um, if you're a woman, I probably reach out to my wife. Uh, if you're a guy, obviously. You, you can reach out to me, but just, I, I want to have a, just a, a healthy conversation. So I want everyone to have a, 
know that there's an open door. They can talk talk to me about anything that we just discussed, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm more than happy to answer any questions. Nobody's can nobody needs to feel like they're being pitched to doing something that they don't want to do. <laughs> uh, I right. hope that made that very clear earlier, but. Yeah. But ask about, hey, what about you talk about mental wellness? Well, what about I, I heard you talking about home-based businesses? I heard you talking about businesses and investments and everything else. What do you do? I'm, I'm, I'm like an open book. I'm, I'm happy to have conversations. And, and like I said, whatever way that you feel like you're interested, we can then kind of continue that conversation into something else. Nice, nice. Yeah. Exciting. Um, a lot of exciting stuff. And I, I'm serious. I definitely want to join that yeah. community. It sounds like right up my alley. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We'd love to have that. And like I said, we have a lot of more in-person in, in events coming up okay. uh, for different masterminds and networking and everything else. So like I said, we just want to bring people together. We yeah. want to expose people in the, in the things and ideas and in thoughts that they might not able to uh, get access to some other way. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was great. Um, uh, when you were in here, when Mandy was on the show, I was like, I'm going to get him on here too because <laughs> I <laughs> well, know I'm he's got a whole did. new perspective. Yeah. Um, awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Gio. Um, guys, share this. Girls, share this with people that need to get involved with these two. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really positive vibe. Um, I think you'll learn a lot. Um, share this with them, uh, write a review, and until next time, FidFam, I'm out.